there, it's Gary Parish. It's Friday, February 14, 2020. Happy Valentine's Day, and welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. Norlander, other than my beautiful wife, of course, there's nobody I'd rather spend Valentine's Day with than you. Hello, my love. How you doing? I'm all right. I'm a little, I'm all right. You know, <laughs> everybody's out of the house. I'm at home and nobody's here. So it's quiet. Oh. I, Pretty I, good, actually. All right. You're, you're doing well. I'm, I'm the exact opposite right now, actually. I have both my kids. Uh, my wife is working from home today and my mother-in-law just walked in the door about five minutes before we started podcasting to watch the kids so I could podcast and my wife could do work. And I've got a full house, but uh, but yeah, you know, it, is, it is wonderful to be with you on this on this uh, on this Valentine's Day. You know what? On, mother-in-laws get a bad rap. Like there's this cliche, like, oh, you you know, beware of the mother-in-law, and you know, mother-in-laws are a pain in the you know what and all that stuff. Here's the truth: I think mother-in-laws are are exceptional because they're helpful. Like, yeah. could you get could you get through your weeks without your mother-in-law? Whether it's my mother-in-law or my wife's mother-in-law, meaning my mother or her mother, I don't know that we could get through our weeks without mother-in-laws being involved. I love mother-in-laws. I, I, I could not do my job the way it needs to be done unless uh, my mother or my mother-in-law in particular, she just happens to live closer to where we live than, than my mother does. But um, she will come and pinch hit, uh, you know, even if it's for two hours, almost every single week and just take my kids so I can either get a podcast done, get an interview done, write the court report. Uh, so shout it from the rooftops, Paris. You are absolutely correct about that. And she's doing us she's doing us a solid. Wife and I get a get a night away here. I hate to cheat on you like this. I might as well tell you to your face, but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out with my wife tonight for Valentine's Day and okay. my mother in law is gonna step up and watch the kids. Yeah. Um like, like my littlest dude is with my mom right now, and and then my middle dude will probably be with my mother-in-law at some point this weekend because she helps out on the weekends. My mother-in-law still works. My my mom is retired. They both live in the area. So they are – and in addition to my father, of course, everybody's just really super helpful. And you know, when, when in my case, you got three kids, two of them six and under, and I'm gone half the week. Like we really couldn't get uh, – it, it, our lives would be much – our lives are complicated anyway, but they'd be much more difficult without uh, my mother-in-law and my wife's mother-in-law, our mother. So shouts to mother-in-laws everywhere, including Deadled Nordlander's mother-in-law. There you go. By the way, why are you holding a toothbrush right now? It was just sitting on my what, desk. What are we doing? I, I, was just, I keep a toothbrush you're, on my you're desk. You're like my one-year-old right now. That's all he always wants to hold. He's got a toy toothbrush. Is it weird that I keep a toothbrush on my desk? Let me tell you why I do it. Sometimes, um, you know, I eat at my desk sometimes or whatever, and food will get stuck in my teeth. And so I just keep a toothbrush right here so I can get it out real quick. Uh, and what are, you, what are you doing with the food? Like you just down the hatch so, or? What do you mean down the hatch? Like you just, you got a little food there. You're just like, eh, I'll swallow it or you're spitting it out. What are you doing? Never really thought about that. Yeah. I don't know what I do. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I, I guess I probably just swallow did it. Did you watch? Did you watch the most recent episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm? I did with the spare to- with the spare toothbrush. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I, I, Larry needed me on that trip to Cabo. <laughs> I'm not lying. I have a million spare toothbrushes. I keep one in my computer bag. I keep one in my car. I obviously keep one on my desk. I keep one in my shaving bag that I t- travel with. There is never a time where I don't have at least three toothbrushes accessible to me. Wow. Okay. I, I have a travel toothbrush and a home toothbrush, so if you want to call it a spare, that's fine, but I never travel with two toothbrushes. I thought that was actually a pretty funny side plot line there. So, But the fact that you've got that like 
you're waving it around the camera right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just picked it up. Crumbs in it and all that stuff. Yeah, but uh, and then that would just happen to be the curb episode from Sunday, which I just finally watched last night. But it was yeah, it was good stuff. So I uh, keep no, I keep one even in my computer bag, and I keep one in my glove box because I never know when I'm going to want to brush my teeth. Like I might be at the airport stuck, and I might feel like brushing my teeth. And I'm so OCD that. If so, when something we probably talked about this 40 times, but when something bothers me, it doesn't stop bothering me until I resolve it. So like last night, for instance, I could tell on the back of my neck that I missed a little part of shaving my neck, like just a little, little, I just, I could feel it. And I had to get out of bed and go get a razor and take care of that because I could not have laid there with that on my neck, even though I'm the only person that knows it's there, and it didn't matter. It was dark, and I was asleep. It's not like, well, I'm about to be on TV, and they're going to shoot the back of my fat neck, and I need to not have that there. There was no reason other than once I knew it was there, it was not going to stop bothering me until it was gone. And teeth, my teeth are the same way. If I feel like I need to brush my teeth, I will not be comfortable again until I actually brush my teeth. So I, you could walk in an airport bathroom. You might see me over there just brushing my teeth in the airport bathroom. I brush my teeth. Like whenever I feel like I need to do it, I do it, including at my desk right here. Well, I'm, I'm just, glad that you okay. uh, that you aren't bothered by your fat neck because if you couldn't resolve it, you just walk around in angst all the time, man. So it's the it's the hair on the neck that bothers you, but the fact that that you say you have a fat neck, you you've come to terms with that. No, I hate my neck. Okay. There's nothing I can do about it. I mean, I guess there's something I could do about it. I could go to the gym four hours a day and lose 40 <laughs> pounds. But my neck-to-waist ratio is way out of whack. We've talked about this we before. We have. Yes, yes. I've got, I've got the worst neck-to-waist ratio on the planet, I think. 32 waist, 18 neck. 22 neck? 18. All right. Sometimes I can get down to 17 and a half. <laughs> it's funny. We, because uh, I work with uh, some uh, former NBA players, right? Jameer Nelson, Ryan Hollins, uh, Khaled El Amin. Um, uh, that, that, well, Wally Zerbiak, of course, but he's been there forever. Sort of the newer guys are Jameer and Khaled and, and Ryan. And it's funny, twice in the past, I'd say three weeks, they had to come in and they couldn't they they couldn't button the top button on their neck i mean on their shirt <laughs> and it's because they 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 were retired for the first times yeah. in their life like they're not they're not athletes anymore uh-huh. and so they like they're still in incredible shape better shape than me but relative to their playing shape uh, they they're getting a little they're 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 approaching my my neck size so it was it was Jameer first and then Ryan I think this week he's like yeah i, I popped the button on my shirt i was like i know i know what you're going through I will say this real quick, and then we let's get to hoops. But I, I have noticed as we talk now, and you've got your Dunder Mifflin shirt on, which is not new. Uh, you always wear uh, crew neck shirts, but for some, and they're always tight around your neck. So I'm surprised that you're actually comfortable with that. I figured you'd you'd go V. You know, V necks are made for men like yourself. But I don't I don't know if I can ever recall you rocking a V. I would not. Rock. I mean, I own them, and I have worn one, but I don't like them. I don't like the way it shows my chest. Okay. I'm not, I'm not comfortable with it. I hate my chest. So I do. I wear shirts. And by the way, it's not oh – I, I do gosh. wear crew neck shirts, but they're not intentionally tight around my neck. It's, I just got a fat neck. I know. I know. All right. So you hate your neck. You hate your chest. You hate your elbows, dead arm, but you love your teeth. That's what we learned. No, I don't even love my teeth. I just like them to be you know, as clean as possible at, at all times. All right. What, what hoops do you want to talk here? <laughs> I don't know. Let's start with this, um, okay. because you had uh, your power rankings earlier this week. You tweeted a note that I thought was interesting. Um, 
there's this obvious perception. We've talked about it. And when I go on radio shows across the country, it, it I'd say at least half the time somebody brings it up that there's no great teams in college basketball this season. But I will say there are a lot of teams with great records. The top eight teams in my top 25 and one are the same eight teams in the top eight of your power rankings. Now, we don't copy each other. I don't even think you look at mine, and I don't look at yours. I intentionally, we sort of do- don't, I intentionally don't so that I can't even say that I have conscious avoidance or, or specific bias with it. So, yes, right. I did not know and that y- until you just told me. Yeah, Yeah, and yet we, we have the same eight. So wh- whatever approach we're taking, we, we get similar results. Now, the eight are in slightly different orders, but it's the same eight teams at the top. They're Gonzaga, Baylor, San Diego State, Kansas, Dayton, Maryland, Duke, and Auburn. And the numbers are pretty incredible. I'll run you through them real quick. Right now, Gonzaga is 25 and one on a 17 game winning streak. Baylor is 22 and one on a 21 game winning streak. San Diego State is 25 and 0 by definition on a 25 game winning streak. Kansas is 21 and three on a nine game winning streak. Dayton is 22 and two on a 13 game winning streak. Maryland is 20 and four on a seven game winning streak. Duke is 20 and three on a six-game winning streak. Auburn is 20-2 and two on a seven-game winning streak. That means the top eight teams in our rankings are a combined 175-16 and 16 on the season. Damn. And they have combined to win, check this out, 105 consecutive games. They are The top eight teams are, are, are on a combined winning streak of 105. So let me ask you, mm-hmm. are, these, are these great teams or are these teams with great records? I think that we can and will discover that a couple of these teams are great teams. Um, as I tweeted in the link, you know, the seven of those eight teams, I didn't even include Auburn in it. Uh, so the seven of the eight, not even counting Auburn, are 43-0 and and haven't lost in 26 days, okay? And since January 1, are a combined 75-5. and And then the, you, the 16 complete losses overall. I think that Gonzaga, Baylor, Kansas, San Diego State, Dayton – Probably those five actually have a chance to be great teams. Uh, Maryland's the only team out of the Big Ten with a chance at a one seed. Maybe, but I can't quite go there with Maryland. But those former five, I actually think, can be great teams. And I think what's happened here is the tail wags the dog. So we get to mid-December. We've had four different number ones in the AP poll. And there's been some highly uh, notorious upsets within the top ten. And we talk about it on a podcast. People write about it on websites. They talk about it on radio shows. They go on video and say, this is a crazy season. And then it becomes a thing where drive-by commentators, national commentators, radio hosts, you name it, where it just becomes this like, oh, college basketball. It's a weird season because legitimately there are not going to be a lot of lottery picks in the NCAA tournament. We've also used that to equate that this must be some kind of year that is down for college basketball. And since it lacks star power, we don't have great teams. I reject that notion. Uh, strongly at the moment here because the previous five I mentioned I think are tracking toward being great teams and their collective records overall are fantastic and we are getting you know next two weeks we'll see what happens here Paris but we are getting a a real separation between the teams fighting for the one seeds and the ones that are going to be in that three territory that four territory that five territory that wasn't exactly the conversation most were having a month ago but I think we're getting closer to it now, and so that's kind of why I led the power rankings with what I did because I get kind of sick of this because it feels lazy, 
And because you have San Diego State and Dayton and Baylor's not a top five team annually, because you've got those teams near the top and there's still a little bit of misplaced cynicism over Gonzaga and its credentials, and I don't even want to get into that because we've disputed that a dozen times on the podcast in the past half decade. Um, I think that also contributes to it. But no, I think these can be great teams. Let's just see how they are when we get to March. They certainly, to me, are tracking that way. Um, I do think the lack of NBA talent on the teams that we're calling great plays a role in uh, people deciding that there are no great teams. I just went and looked to make sure we're not looking at my uh, mock draft so that I can create um, whatever point I'm trying to make. I just went and looked at our, our pal Sam Vecini's latest mock draft, which updated earlier this week at The Athletic. And there are only three teams, according to him at this moment, that have multiple first-round draft picks that will be in the NCAA tournament. You want to take a guess at what three teams they are? Tri- trivia time! Okay. <laughs> according to Sam Vecini, there are three likely NCAA tournament teams that have multiple first-round NBA draft picks right now. Only three. Take a shot. Duke? Yes. Duke is one with uh, Vernon Carey and Trey Jones. Michigan State? Michigan State is not one of those teams. All right. Xavier Tillman and Cassius Winston should both be first-round picks. Um, Take take that up with Sam Vecini. I will. Um, Arizona? Arizona's got three. Arizona's got more than anybody else. And Mm -hmm. by the way, Arizona? Unranked in the AP poll right now. <laughs> they are a weird team, man. 17 and 7, 13 in Ken Palm. Their resume is bizarre. Uh, I actually still like them, but they just, they're just they a fascinating team with a fascinating resume. Uh, so who would the third team be? Two first-round picks projected to be tournament team. Um, I. Uh, you, you will not get it. I won't get it. No. Oh. I won't get it. I don't think you will. Really? Give me a second. Just give me a quick one. Um, I won't get it. Should I tell you what league? If the league is not going to instantly give it away, yeah, tell me the league. I don't think the league will instantly give it away. ACC. Uh, By the way, there's only a handful of uh, I mean, it's, uh, so, ACC teams so going he's to got, He's got... Does he has two from Florida State going in the first round? Yes. He does. Trent Forrest? No. He doesn't have Trent Forrest going in the first round? Really? No. no. Jeez. Um, but that's it? Okay, so it wouldn't be Forrest. It would be Vassell and he doesn't have Patrick any. Williams. Okay, Patrick. I was about to say he's not got MJ Walker in the first round. Okay, how about that? So, you know, and this is a point I've made. I was on radio in San Diego recently. Um another market with a similar team recently. And the point I made is because, because even so I was on uh, in San Diego and they were like, but really win a national championship. Like, listen, nobody loves the Aztecs more than we love the Aztecs, but win a national title. And I'm like, the reason you don't think winning a national title is realistic is because typically there are these monsters out there that you're going to run into. And they got all these NBA players and like, yo, we're just going to get overwhelmed. Those teams simply do not exist. There are only three likely NCAA tournament teams right now with multiple first-round picks on them, according to, to Sam. And it's 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 Duke, which – and Duke, we might find out, is the most talented team in the country. But it's Duke. It is a, 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 a whatever Arizona team. And, and Florida State. That's it. Who, so who are you running into that's this monster? And I to circle it back, 
I think that's why there is. I think it's one of the reasons mm. there's this perception that there aren't great teams because we don't look out there and see something like Duke last season with Zion, uh, RJ, Cam, and and Trey Jones. Like Duke last season had at least four probable future first round draft picks, and right now only one likely NCAA tournament team has more than two. Okay. Um... There was a good evaluation done by Jason Lisk, who used to write for the big league. He does uh, evals for team rankings now, teamrankings.com. Really, uh, really smart writer. And he took a look at if there was actually parity in college basketball this season compared to the last seven seasons. And um, the data really speaks for itself there. But for the most part, the answer is this isn't um, – it's not a, you know, a dramatic step back. Um, so – I, I, I worry that we're going to get to March and this is going to continue and it just simply might not be the case because Baylor doesn't have, you know, a surefire first round pick on its roster. And because, I don't know, San Diego State is now coming from a league that's going to struggle to put two teams into the NCAA tournament for sure. It's going to have its skeptics. I, I just, I, re- I kind of reject that stuff. Um, I think these teams can be great teams and when we get to March 10th and March 15th and March 20th, I think that we might see that we do have a couple teams that have separated themselves. I don't think we're, while the the tournament could be chaotic and I'd love it, I'd welcome it. Uh, As we said last week or the week before, give me a tournament with San Diego state Dayton and Gonzaga on the one line. Like I will take that every time to me. That's awesome. That's different. And um, given how these teams continue to win, even Auburn, which, is like 33rd in Kempom or something like that. It's won three straight overtime games. Four of its past five are in overtime. It's it's it ranks number one in luck right now because it keeps winning by these such low margins. Games keep breaking Auburn's way. So I don't know if Auburn really isn't that good or if it has developed this ability to close out in the clutch. And that goes back to even last season. And it had that memorable first-round game uh, in the uh, against New Mexico State when it could have lost, okay, easily. But credit to Bruce Burrell's team, man. They just keep winning. So uh, I'll be I'll be interested to see if we do get that true separation with the ones and maybe a couple twos versus the rest. Because I think we are headed toward that right now. And you know maybe maybe we're starting a dialogue, Parish. But I do think that um, the teams at the top of the sport need to be given a little more credit for how good they are and how great they could potentially become. Well, the reason this season, among the reasons this season sort of got the reputation of, ah, nobody's good, is because we did go through a stretch where the, the top five teams were just losing all of the time. It's not happening anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like I told you, the top eight teams in my rankings and yours are on a combined 105-game winning streak. And I went and looked this up earlier. So the top eight teams um, in our rankings right now are 175 and 16 on the season. This is week 15 of of the AP poll. If you go look at week 15 of the AP poll last season, the top eight were combined 170 and 15. So it's like, it's basically the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Basically the same thing. The only place where you find a discrepancy is the best adjusted efficiency margin right now belongs to Kansas at plus 30.76. Last season, it belonged to Virginia at the end of the season at plus 34.22. So that's a significant margin, a better. And a plus 30.76 would only rank fourth. But we have 25% more of game inventory of to course. get to. So, you know, let's... I will... We can have that conversation and acknowledge this if we get to the final four and... There's a team. There's only one team plus thirty. I don't think that's going to be the case, personally. Yeah, if you because like 
teams are going to get hot in the tournament. Somebody's got to get hot and go to the final four. Somebody, we got to have four teams in the final four, which means we got to have four teams <laughs> yeah. with. You see, also we got to have sixty-eight teams in the bracket. <laughs> Brit Stover always makes fun of me because when we're on set, you know, you know, we'll be ta- he'll be talking about you know some we'll be talking it'll be a bubble team discussion, and I'll say, listen, Stove, the thing you got to realize is that we got to put sixty-eight teams. <laughs> Not in this a lot thing. of people know that. Not a lot of people realize that. We got to put sixty-eight. They don't call me an insider for nothing. You got to put sixty-eight teams in, in the bracket. Similarly, you got to have four teams in the final four. And so, like, four teams are going to win at least four games in the NCAA tournament before they take a loss. So, these, uh, I, I would assume that that enhances the numbers. But either way, if you took plus 30.76 right now, it's the best in the country at this moment. It would be fourth if you slotted it into last season's final adjusted efficiency margins behind Virginia, Gonzaga, and Michigan State. For whatever it's worth, the four number one seeds last season were Duke, Virginia, North Carolina, and Gonzaga. Duke was 22-2 and two on Valentine's Day. Virginia was 21-2 and two on Valentine's Day. Gonzaga was 23-2 and two on, on Valentine's Day. Mm. And North Carolina was 19-5 and five on Valentine's Day. The top four teams right now, according to you and I, and the selection committee over the weekend when they seeded the number one seeds, Gonzaga 25-1, Baylor 22-1, San Diego State 25-0, Kansas 21-3. From a record perspective, it matches up pretty well. Yeah, it does. Good stats there and something to keep in mind when you watch the hoops this weekend, when you hear people talk about it. And as we uh, you know, get into March where there's a lot of the talk kind of narrows in on, all right, what teams are going to be the one seeds and what teams are in uh, on or just off the bubble? If Gonzaga doesn't enter the NCAA tournament on a 25-game winning streak, it's likely going to be because of BYU. And I want to talk about that next because the Cougars are sneaky good. But first, check this out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. So at this point, I'm of the belief that Gonzaga is going to enter the NCAA tournament on a 25-game winning streak. I, I think they're going to be the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. But if the Zags don't do that, don't get there, it's likely going to be because of BYU. The Cougars won again Thursday night, so that's a five-game winning streak. They're 20-7 and seven overall, but 12-2 and two with Yoeli Childs in the lineup. 15th at Ken Palm, 17th at BPI, 21st in the net, 24th at Sagarin. And I have them 25th in Friday morning's updated top 25 and one dead leg. Are you a believer in Mark Pope's Cougars? Um, 
I don't know yet. They uh, their biggest discrepancy between the six metrics uh, is 39 in KPI, which is completely results based, and then they're 15 in Ken Palm. I have not looked yet, but I would wonder if any team in the top 30 of Ken Palm has a wider gap than the 24 uh, unit difference between KPI and uh, and Ken Palm with BYU. Uh, certainly a team that can that is tracking toward the NCAA tournament not quite there yet. I guess I don't know. I don't know where they are. Um, I don't know where Palm has them in his most recent bracket. But I'd, I'd I'd have them in right now for sure. Top five offense. I also had in the court report a whole story about their mascot and the three point dunk, which is like which is nuts. Um, so if you're interested in that, the most famous dunk this season is not by a player. It's by a mascot. So maybe. If people want to kill college basketball, that's a reason why. This is the best three-point shooting team in America, though. 42.4% from deep, and it is not shy about shooting them, of course. What's always interesting to me about BYU is because the nature of the school um, and that you have uh, players that go on these two-year missions, You, the roster always has seniors and guys who are like 23, 24 years old on it. So. Oh so BYU should be better. In, it, they should be better than the rest of the WCC with, with the exception of Gonzaga annually and should be a top five team annually. Now, that has been the case for most of the past 15 years. Now, now this is the first season under Mark Pope who came over from Utah Valley, and they're doing well, but they have a shot. They're, until like the past week, I feel like they haven't really received much attention because they just their record is... I don't want to say generic, but it's not it's not standout. Like they're twenty and seven now. They, you know they were seventeen seven, eighteen and seven. Okay, that's good enough. But they have been cruising with a solid Ken Palm mark, particularly GP for almost three weeks. They've been within the top twenty since the end of January. So uh, they do have a chance. They don't play Gonzaga until next weekend. That will be on its home floor. And just to uh, to tie it back to uh, to Cosmo, the BYU Cougar, I was told by his coach, yes, he does have a coach, that the three-point dunk that we saw that went viral, and it is an insane-looking thing from the overhead view. Like, this dude is launched 25 feet in the air. Apparently, there might be something even more daring on tap for the Gonzaga game, so keep an eye on that for next week. But they do have a risk management team that apparently has to clear all this stuff, so little uh, little reporting nugget for you. What are your thoughts on BYU, GP? Well, first off, the idea that they have a chance is disrespectful to Mark Pope and the Cougars oh, in general. Oh, you just doomed him. What are you doing? Oh, no. I don't, I don't understand oh, no. why you don't understand what I'm about to tell you. <laughs> but they've got to put 68 teams in this bracket. <laughs> okay. And BYU is going to be one of the 68. I've got them 25th in the top 25 and one right now. Jerry Palm's got them as an eight seed in his latest oh, that uh, projected bracket. So, yeah, comfortably – and BYU is 11 and 1 at home this season and that's interesting because uh, like you said they get Gonzaga next Saturday not this Saturday next Saturday and Ken Palm has that projected score Gonzaga 82 BYU 80 so like that's supposed to be a real test inside the Marriott Center I don't know if you've ever been to the Marriott Center I've been to the Marriott Center I know what I know what the Zags When did are you be- go to the Marriott Center When did Jimmer? I go to the Marriott Center I mean I can't give you an exact date but, but- was it Jimmer it actually, I don't think it was Jimmer. I I was I believe this is back when I was a one man college basketball team, and Dennis Dodd was a one man college football team, and so he would help me during basketball season, and I would help him during football season by just going to games. Really, that was all my responsibility. I just fly in, go to a game, and so I was at a Utah game. I was going to a Utah game. 
I think it was this is one of those seasons where Utah was really good. A Utah football game on a Saturday night. And on a Friday night, BYU was playing a bye game against nobody. But I was like, you know, I'm here, so I might as well go. And so I went to the Marriott Center. It's a pleasant time. How about that? Sneaky one. I would have never thought you'd been to the Marriott Center. I've been to the Marriott Center? Are you out of your mind? I, lo- <laughs> That's I love not Utah. That's out of your mind question. Oh, Utah's awesome, by the way. Yeah. Utah's awesome. Fly in, land, you're 30 minutes to the mountains, get on the slopes. No doubt, man. Yeah, Utah's beautiful? Like beautiful. Salt beautiful. Lake City is a very good city. I was there for... The tournament back in 13, I think it was. It was when um, Gonzaga almost got beat by Southern when they were the one. And then uh, was that was that Wichita? Yeah, it was Wichita State over Gonzaga in the second round, I think. I'm, I'm, and that was when Harvard Harvard won as the 14 over three New Mexico right after Alford signed at UNM. And then Alford went to UCLA. It was that whole year. But, yeah, Salt Lake City is a, is a, uh, is a sweet spot there. Very cool. I don't, I don't, um, I don't remember exactly when it was. It might have been the same trip. Salt Lake City's wild. Like they get, they get wild, and it, they get wild abruptly. So like, it was, it was after a, I, it must have been a football game. And so me and Bruce Feldman and Ryan Rosillo decide, all right, let's go out and we'll, we, you know, we'll have a drink and watch. Uh, it's a power watch. trio right there. Yeah, it was pretty. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good trio. So we uh, we decide, all right, it must have been an afternoon game because I just remember we got to the bar relatively early and we were going to go, you know, watch the night football games. Hey, we'll get some drinks, get a bite, and we'll watch the night football games. And so we're like in this one part of the bar slash restaurant, and it's like the, when we walk in, it's a completely normal setting. And then we're back there, we're having drinks, and we're watching the games. And then at some point, I don't know why, but I was like, hey, I'm going to walk over here, or maybe I go to the back. I don't know. But I walked back into this different part of the exact same place that was normal three hours ago. And it's like a club now, and there's like girls dancing on tables, kissing each other. I was like, man, what is happening here in Salt Lake City? It, got, it went from normal to like the best scene in the history of Salt Lake City, as far as I'm concerned. Bruce, like in a, matter, in a matter of hours, without me even like – Going outside, I didn't know what I was. I didn't know what I was dealing with. Was Feldman or Rosillo up on one of those tables? I could see Feldman getting down. I mean, I could see Rosillo doing yeah. it. Um, <laughs> I mean, you can Google search him if you want to, <laughs> but but no, I, I think I think we were all we were all tame. That's my point. We were the t- lamest and tamest people in there. It got wild in Salt Lake City. I don't know what was happening, but it got wild in Salt Lake City. So BYU, um, they got Yoeli Childs, TJ Hawes, who, who truly does feel like he's been there forever, and that's because he hasn't. The Hawes, what what the Hawes are to BYU are what the Plumleys were to Duke, basically. Um, but Hawes is a good scorer. He's he's effective. Jake Toulson is a really nice three point shooter, and uh, I, I will say that BYU is the exact kind of team where you know mark it down now. Remember it when we get to Selection Sunday and we see these brackets. Uh, serious sweet 16 quasi sleeper quality. If they don't like go on a run, beat Gonzaga and like, you know, win the WCC tournament and then all of a sudden they're a five seed and everyone's picking them. But if they, if they land on that seven, eight, nine line, that this is definitely a team that I could see taking down a one or a two. If it gets really hot can shoot. Cause again, grown men, I mean, half the roster, um, they, they can all legally purchase alcohol. If not, you know, 
be on their third child already. So that, you know. Yeah, from, well, let, let them try to purchase alcohol. They'll get kicked clean out of school. That's for that. also true. <laughs> <laughs> that's the weird thing about being at BYU. You're old enough to purchase alcohol, but if you do it, you'll get expelled. I know. It's. By it's, the way, I don't know if that's technically true. Whatever. We'll just roll like, with it. it. It sounds like it. You're, it you're on a roll. I'm going to let you go with it. But it uh, I mean, they did have a guy get like in trouble for. Yeah. You, what, what was his name? Oh, who was the player? They were going to be so good that year. Brandon something? Yes. Brandon Davies? Yes. Is it Brandon Davies? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. It, it, he was with Jimmer. And so it would have been Jimmer and him. And then I think he decided to have intercourse. And it was like, that was the end of it. That was the end of it. I'm, I'm positive it was Brandon Davies. Yeah, that was him. Yeah, man. That would have been, that was the team. There you go. And Brandon. BYU, by the way, also, if they get in the tournament, they're always Thursday, Saturday because. Uh, the Mormons they rest there there is no there is no work and no play on Sundays, so they cannot be scheduled on Sundays. There actually was a tournament. This would have been early aughts where the committee botched it. And this is why actually the software the committee uses now, there are certain regulations that have come into play when it comes to seating and selecting. And so the software they use actually has safeguards against this. So if for whatever reason uh, because it happened with BYU, it would it would never happen again. But it does not allow you to seed BYU in such a way where it would wind up playing on a Sunday. That can't even happen anymore. But that was scheduled. I don't remember what tournament. I know that there are going to be some college hoops diehards who will, who will tweet us and let us know, and certainly BYU fans who will remember. They couldn't change it because of all of the logistics that go into it, and BYU wound up losing in the first round anyway, so they did not have to play in that second-round Sunday game that year as was. So you mentioned they're the exact type of team that they end up on that. Like, oh, Jerry Palm's got them projected as an eight seed right now. By definition, they would be playing a, a, as long as, you know, it's not a Virginia UMBC situation, they'd be playing a one seed in the round of 32. And you said, hey, that's the type of team I could see beating a one seed. Um, it is, a, I'm 100% in agreement with you. But they shoot it really well. They made 18 three pointers Thursday night in a win over Loyola mm-hmm. Marymount. School record 18 three pointers. Their three point uh, uh, field goal percentage is now 42.4% number one in the country. Yeah, I said that like seven minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, but I was thinking about that night me and Ryan Rosillo and Bruce Feldman were out. It's all right. That's a good throwback there. Parrish and I definitely had a thing going for a while on this podcast where he would say something, I wouldn't pick up on it, I'd repeat it, and he'd, I'd do the same thing with him. And so that was a nice little toss. But yes, they are the number one three-point shooting team in the country. And as I said, they are not afraid to shoot it. I did not realize they hit 18 triples against Marymount, um, but now on a five-game win streak and now play at San Diego, then host Santa Clara next Thursday. Should be 22-7 and seven when Gonzaga comes to town. Uh, and Gonzaga, which only obviously has that one loss, just as a heads-up because I know we're not going to pick this game. Gonzaga plays at Pepperdine on Saturday and then has a kind of a quirky back-to-back. It's home against San Fran, which it should win, but San Fran's good and almost beat Gonzaga earlier this season at San Fran, and then it's Pepperdine. So keep that in mind going forward with uh, with the Zags. But, yeah, that's that potentially could be a top three, top four game of next weekend. I mentioned um, top three, top four, top two, top one. I'll be at the top one. What is that? That's that's Kansas at Baylor. I'll be there in Waco next weekend. Oh, yeah. I got a text message from Scott Drew. He was like, yeah, and so Norlander's coming down. I'm like, he didn't tell me. <laughs> he didn't tell me. Keeping secrets from me. <laughs> yeah, not keeping we, secrets. We start this podcast talking about how much we value each other on Valentine's Day. Then I got to hear from Scott Drew. I got to hear from Scott Drew that you're keeping secrets from me. When did you get the text? 
It was a couple weeks ago. Okay, so you've known for a while. What are we talking about? I wanted to see how long we could continue this relationship without you telling me. All right, listen. When I know where I'm going, when I'm going, I'll let you know. Okay, I'm I, plan. I'm planning on going to Michigan State at Maryland the next weekend. Just so you know, do I, do you need Mark Turgeon to send you a note right now? I'm gonna text Turgeon right now and say, okay. "How long have you known Norlander's coming to see he you?" He does not know. He actually he does not know that I'm coming yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, but so if you want to break the news to Turgeon, by all means, do no, so. Scott Drew. Scott Drew. Uh, I forget what we were talking about something on the podcast. His wife listens to the podcast, uh, which is just tremendous. And so he texted me something about the podcast, and he was like, "Yeah, Norlander's coming down." And I was like, "This son of a bitch <laughs> is keeping secrets from me." And uh, then I went on. I went and put in uh, 808s and heartbreak. And got real sad. <laughs> Uh, I went to Sacred Heart Bryant last night. Did you need me to let you know about that too? No, I saw it on Instagram. Yeah, me and my boy. So we took him to his first bas- his first college basketball game. He actually uh, he enjoyed it. It was a uh, it was a quality game. Pioneers got the win there, trying to fight for that two seed in the NEC. That Sacred Heart is an eleven minute drive from my house, so I always try to get to at least one game a season. Shouts to Anthony Latina trying to get it done there with the Pioneers. Brian, you know, Bryant took a tough loss, but anyway. My- my oldest son's first ever college basketball game was at Madison Square Garden. That's good. That was good. It was Duke and Memphis. And this would have been Wani Wags? No, it was after that. No, I think your, son, your son wasn't even born in Wani Wags, right? Was no, son- no, no, no. My, my son was born in 2003. Okay. Yeah, so I, I want to say it was 2006, Memphis... Duke at the Garden. It was the year Memphis ended up as a one seed. I think they both ultimately ended up as one seeds. Maybe. Not uh, sure. If it was, uh, if it was oh six oh seven, Duke was a six seed and lost to VCU that season. Uh, but Memphis would have been a one seed in oh seven. Uh, no, so it was two thousand six. And then and the previous was, year was Reddick was Reddick winning the uh, Player of the Year. I just remembered every bit of this exactly right. It was November 25th, 2005. So in the 2005-2006 season, it was Memphis and Duke in the Garden. Duke wins the game 70-67, but both of those teams, Memphis and Duke, went on to to be number one seeds in the NCAA tournament. There you go. Now, who did Duke lose to in that tournament that season? Duke ultimately lost two. Oh, you're looking at it. You're cheating, so you know. Yeah, you already know. Yeah, it's LSU, big baby. Correct. Yes, that was that was the big baby. That was that's how JJ Reddick's college career ended. Yes, it was big baby and Tyrus Thomas and and who's the other one? Taz, Tasman Mitchell, <laughs> <laughs> Garrett Temple. <laughs> yes. Fant- fun uh, fun Gar- fact: Garrett Temple was who I was going with there, but yes, very. Uh, that was a fun LSU team. Fun fact, I went to watch the throne, Kanye West and Jay-Z, in New Orleans and was seated right behind Tyrus Thomas. Couldn't see a damn thing the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Just so our listeners are not confused, that, that Watch the Throne came out many, many years after Tyrus Thomas was playing for LSU, just so everyone's clear on that. Yeah, I think that would have probably been like 2011. Yeah. Maybe like December 2011. It's, it's weird, the, the things you remember. Here's what I remember about that day standing behind Tyrus Thomas like an idiot. And it was the day – it was a big college basketball game with Kentucky, I think. Kentucky is like an Anthony Davis block. Kentucky, North Carolina. Does that, any of this make sense? I'm not connecting the dots. December 4th, North Carolina and Kentucky. And North Carolina wins – no – I might be making all this. Okay, I think this is true. I think this is true. December 3rd, 2000, 
11, which was in the 2011-12 season. Yes. That night, I stood behind Tyrus Thomas at Watch the Throne. But that afternoon, Kentucky beat North Carolina 73-72, and I think I Anthony rem- Davis blocked the shot late. I think you're right. I remember that game. You're, you're doing – yeah. You found your way. You got your way through it. And then the following Saturday, Kentucky went to yes. Assembly Bloomington. Hall. Yes. What else and happened on that day? The First, fight. Correct. Watford Cincinnati hit the Xavier. shot. Watford hit Zip the shot, up. and Cincinnati Xavier, that fight, those two things happened within an hour of each other. Zip and I was up. at Madison Square Garden for some completely irrelevant game. I don't even remember who was playing, but I remember having to write off the other two things while I was at the garden when those two things were happening. Yes. And I think I wrote, and I was at home. And I wrote about the fight. I think you wrote about the shot. Yeah. And I wrote about the fight. There we go. Okay. So BYU that? might be – hey, listen, I, lo- I love our little digressions and tangents, and BYU might be Gonzaga next weekend. Uh, one last thing on BYU. At Cougar Stats on Twitter tweeted me and said – because I noted that BYU is 12-2 this season with Yoeli Childs in the lineup. Um, one of the points that Cougar Stats made is that one of the two losses with Yoeli Childs in the lineup is a game against Utah. It was his first game back after the nine-game suspension to start the season, and he had to leave that game with 448 left in regulation. At that point, BYU was up by three. Without him, Utah tied it at the end of regulation, and then Utah won in overtime. And then the other loss with Yoeli Childs in the lineup is a loss at San Francisco by one point. Point being, BYU is very close to being undefeated with the best player in the lineup. So take that... uh, Take that for whatever it's worth. Good deal. All right, you want to pick some games? Final four and one. You got updated standings for me? I do have updated standings for you. The standings are after last week. I don't. Ha- I think I went two and three, and you went three and two. But I'm 35, th- 35, 34 and one. So a regression to the mean has very much been happening the past month. Because at one point I was like 14 games above 500. You are still. You are. You've been better, but you're still trailing. You're 30, 39 and one to this point. Every week on Friday we pick five games. GP offers up the first four. I give the and one. Who you gonna start with? We will take them in the order that they will tip off. Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern, number 14, West Virginia, at number one, Baylor, inside Terry Teagle Arena. You can watch it on ESPN+. Plus. Kimpom projects it, Baylor minus five. Um, this was one of the games we picked for the site, right? I don't know. Okay. We all made our picks, like, within the past 12 hours. We can't even remember. This has to be one of them. Uh, this is at Baylor. At Baylor in I, Waco. I'm going to try, be going and, be, there I'm gonna try and be consistent on this. I think I picked West Virginia to cover, so I will do that for the purpose of this podcast, even if I've got it the other way on the site. Um, West Virginia has lost two straight games. It is coming off its worst offensive performance of the season against a Kansas team that is firmly the best defensive team in college basketball. They only scored, uh, did West Virginia, 0.73 points per possession. That was easily their worst. They had... Uh, they were outscored 13 to one in the final few minutes of that game, and Kansas won despite not even having like a great game from Yudoka Azabuki. Isaiah Moss had a nice outing, 13 points, three triples. Um, so West Virginia is in danger of really uh, losing an in on having a really good seed here. I think it's going to lose. I'll take Baylor in a tight one. I just checked what I filed to our editor Marcus Nelson on Friday afternoon, and I did have Baylor winning, but West Virginia covering. So I guess that means I got to take West Virginia plus the five. Baylor, by the way, eleven and zero at home. Lone loss is still to Washington, which is now two and ten in the Pac-12, dead last. I wonder if there's ever been a number one team 
this late in the season with just one loss, and the loss came to a team that's dead last in its league? Uh, these are the things that I wish I knew. I don't even think that – I mean, it's it's findable, but who even knows? But, yeah, that that loss gets weirder by the week. Like, the first three weeks of the season, I was like, all right, well, you know, Washington's tracking to be like a top three team in the Pac-12 anyway, so it's respectable. And each week it keeps getting worse. But no, no matter, Baylor still has the strongest resume in college hoops. Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern, number 25 LSU at Alabama inside Gerald Wallace Coliseum. You can watch it on ESPN2. Alabama, minus two, according to Ken Palm. LSU should have won at Auburn last week. Lost because Auburn beats everyone and wins every game in overtime. Uh, the Tigers uh, of LSU rank actually lower than the Tigers of Auburn, only by two spots despite having four more losses. They're 34 in Ken Palm as we sit here on a Friday afternoon. LSU is the number three rated offense in college basketball. Uh, it's dropped two of its past three, and its most recent game was a win, but it was only by four points against a bad Missouri team at home. Bama, meanwhile, just can't seem to get things going. It lost in, uh, to Auburn earlier this week. Parrish, there were 90 total threes taken in that game. Insane. You saw this, right? You saw yeah, Alabama, Alabama took 59, which is the most by a Division One team in 11 seasons. VMI took like 62 and back in 09 and Bama hit 22 of those three point attempts, uh, which was an SEC record. And they still lost in incredible. Um, but uh, anyway, Bama's lost four of its past five, but it lost by four at LSU, lost by four at home against Arkansas, lost by one at home against Tennessee, eked out a three-point win against Georgia, and then lost by four against Auburn. Bama is just not they're, – they're the exact opposite of Auburn. They have they like to play fast. They're fun. They shoot threes, except they cannot win close games. They got it at home here. I will take Bama to win straight up. That's not good enough. It's Alabama minus two. You got to lay points. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's not okay. You can't just take them straight up. That's not allowed. I thought LSU was 5-2. No, Alabama oh. minus 2. Then I'm going to take – oh, man. I, 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 first of all, I think there's going to be a push. I think Bama's going to win by a bucket. Um, <laughs> but i got to pick one. I'll, I'll pick Bama to cover. I'd love to pick the push, to be honest, because I think that is what's going to happen. I think Alabama will win this game by exactly two points. But whatever. Give me the tie by three. Um, Alabama, 13-11 overall, 5-6 and six in the SEC, but still a top 50 team at Ken Palm. Three spots ahead of Virginia. Third fastest tempo in college basketball, fastest among college um, ab- among power conference teams, and 48% of their field goal attempts come from three-point range. That's how you end up shooting 59 in a 45-minute game. Real quick, they heading into the Auburn game, they ranked tw- number 20 in their three-point volume. That one game alone jumped them from 20th to 10th, which is just insane. But you take 59 triples in a game, that's what's going to happen. All right, you got LSU getting uh, give, getting two or Bama giving it? I'm going to take Alabama minus the two. Okay. But I don't want to keep being the same as you because I can't make up ground. But I'm going to take Alabama minus the two. All right, cool. What do we got? I, I, don't, think I, I don't think I trust LSU to go on the road and win I, I don't. I don't either. I don't. All right, Saturday, 430 Eastern, number 22, Illinois, at Rutgers, Inside Freddie Hill Pavilion. You can watch it on the Big Ten Network. Ken Palm projects it. Rutgers minus two. I, I got issues with you right now. Hmm. Did you just call that Freddie Hill Pavilion? Yeah. So far we've had games at. Yeah, I know. I, listen, I've, I'm following what you're doing. 
But if you're going to do this game, it's Quincy F and Doobie Pavilion. You understand me? Okay. It's, okay. 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 I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not joking around with you right now, okay? I understand. I'm, Quincy I'm updating Doobie. it right now. Let, let me start over. Let me start over. Thank you. Saturday, 4.30 Eastern, number 22, Illinois, at Rutgers, inside Quincy Doobie Pavilion. You can watch it on the Big Ten Network, Rutgers minus two, according to Ken Palm. Quincy Doobie Pavilion on Mike Rosario Court here. Um, so Rutgers is not securely in the NCAA tournament. It's going to make it, but it keeps it, losing on the Nor road. Nor Norlander. Hold on. It Norlander. <laughs> Norlander. Let, me, let me explain something to you as a college basketball insider. I know. They I, have to put 68, 68 teams in this, this thing. Tournament. Yeah, I know. Yeah. How is Rutgers not going to be one of them? I, it's, I, I expect it to be one of them, but Rutgers, here's the point I'm making. It ke it's, it's got... It what? can't do anything outside of Quincy it, Doobie Pavilion. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. They it's, beat everybody inside Quincy Doobie Pavilion. They win no. They like that's not even exaggeration. By the way, they are fifteen and zero inside Quincy Doobie Pavilion. One and eight away from Quincy Doobie Pavilion. It's unbelievable. They're fortunate to get this game at home. Okay, favored by three according to the line. By the way, uh, just a note with Illinois, Io Desumu, he is. Uh, Good, relatively speaking. There was no structural damage in that left leg. The MRI came back clean, which is good. He is going to travel with the team. Uh, I'm guessing he is going to be close to a game-time decision as to whether or not he is going to play in this game for Illinois, but he is their best player, and he means a lot to Illinois' seeding and long-term NCAA tournament hopes here. But good stuff that for, for him and for the program. I'm glad that he is, uh, he is okay here. I, I have to take... I have to take Rutgers if they're if they're going to be balling out on Mike Rosario Court inside Quincy Doobie Pavilion. I will take them to cover the three here because there's no reason, there's no evidence to suggest otherwise. They're unbeatable in that building this season. This is disrespectful. Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> this, no! This is a computer being disrespectful to <laughs> to Rutgers and Steve Peichel. They 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 are done? undefeated at, at Quincy Doobie Pavilion. And and now they've got Illinois coming in, and I guess Io could play, but I, I don't know that he's going to. Like he had to be carried off the court on Wednesday, and now and now they're going to go on and play within a bucket of Rutgers on Mike Rosario court. I can't see that. It's not something I'm I can not going to. All right, here's the here's my vow. I really think that Rutgers is going to win this game and win it by like five or six points. So I'm not going to change it. If Illinois wins this game and you curse this team again, the next time you do this, I don't care what level of confidence I have. I am changing the pick. You're going Rutgers because you it's think it's Ken Palm's computer being disrespectful. That's just you're like 0 for 11 on these, but okay, sure. What's your next one? Sunday, 4 p.m. Eastern, number four, San Diego State at Boise State inside Chandler Hutchison Fieldhouse. You can watch it. <laughs> On CBS Sports Network, San Diego State, minus seven. Chandler Hutchison, I think that's, I think that's probably, I, I would go Anthony Drimmick, but Anthony Drimmick Court, all right? Chandler Hutchison Fieldhouse on Anthony Drimmick Court. Shouts to uh, Mr. Drimmick there. Um, Boise State's got a chance. He, the, the problem with with that is he's got he don't have enough vowels in his name. <laughs> Drimmick. Yeah, you remember that? It's, it's like a yeah. DRM. DRM, I see. Yeah, man, there ain't no words that start with DRM. There, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Uh, I, I'm taking Boise State to cover. I won't pick them straight up here, but I think they got a shot. I do. 
I think there's a decent chance we lead Sunday night's pod with San Diego State being the last undefeated uh, to go down and go down in a dramatic game here. But I won't go that far. Um, give me Boise State to cover. I like them covering easily. Like I think this is going to be a game beside in the final minute. How dare you pick against my Aztecs? Oh, I, I just did. Tell me it's disrespectful. That's what I want to hear. I no, hear. it's reasonable. Ah. It's reasonable. But, like, my Aztecs are 25-0. and 0. And for the first time this season, right now, Ken Palm actually says it is more likely than not that they enter the Mountain West Conference Tournament undefeated. And now you want to say, ah, I think they're going to get caught at Chandler Hutchinson Fieldhouse. <laughs> I'm Anthony Dermott Court. <laughs> yeah, I do, actually. I think there's... I think that's a sh- I think there's a chance here. Yeah. The next four games, they only got four regular season games left at Boise State versus UNLV at home versus Colorado State at home, and then at Nevada. That's the one that I think could get tricky. Nevada's won 19 straight conference games at home. Now, obviously, some of that was with a, a different you know coach and higher level team, but still, they're undefeated in the Mountain West at home this season right now. Um, circling back, Ken Palm says it's a 53, a 50.3% chance that San Diego State now enters the conference tournament um, with an undefeated record. Aztecs top eight in both offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. Trivia time. Name the only other team that's Kansas. top eight in both. Nope. Really? Really. Then Duke is my second guess. Duke is the correct answer. Okay. Duke is top eight in both. Um, San Diego State top eight in both. Kansas is the only other team that's top 15 in both. And we've talked about, I just started looking at these numbers. We've talked about the discrepancy between uh, Virginia's offensive efficiency numbers and defensive efficiency numbers before. Virginia's number three in defense and number 248 in offense, which is bizarre. SMU is the opposite example. Number nine in offensive efficiency, number 239 in defensive efficiency. Nobody besides SMU is in the top 40 of offense and outside of the top 200 of defense. And nobody besides Virginia is in the top 40 of defense and outside of the top 200 in offense. Well, there we go. All right. My, I'm taking San Diego State minus seven. I know. Uh, yeah, trust me. It's your your Aztecs. You just got fired up, toothbrush in hand, the whole deal. Here. <laughs> if I uh, hold my toothbrush. You are. You are. You are just <laughs> you're biting. Yeah, look at you biting it. You're biting it. I'll yeah. chew on a toothbrush. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here That's we go. gross? No, no, no. I don't think all it good. is. All right, my game. Um, we'll go with the Sunday game that will be on CBS at 1 o'clock. Uh, coming off a win against a shorthanded Iowa team on Thursday night, the Indiana Hoosiers, now 16-8, and 6-7 and seven in the league. Uh, got a good home win. Now, Iowa was shorthanded, but still, um, I tuned in for the final, like, 12, 13 minutes of that game. Uh, Indiana was able to, to show itself well, and that was uh, a good win for a team that's most definitely on the bubble right now. Or you want to put them in too, GP? You putting them in? You've the- got to. You got to have sixty-eight. You I don't can. know. I don't know if I need to tattoo this. You don't. On my you head. don't need the details. You just know there's sixty-eight. Okay, here I we go. Know, all I know is you got to have four in the final four, sixty-eight in the bracket. All right. Well, we're getting somewhere. So they host Michigan again, one o'clock on Sunday on CBS. I will wait to give my pick. You can go ahead first. Ken Palm has this uh, with Michigan hosting as a six-point favorite. I will – I think Michigan wins the game, but I'll take Indiana plus the points. I'm going to take Michigan here. Um, I think that Michigan will uh, show itself to be uh, nice and strong and win by close to 10. So we do have disagreement there. Just a quick heads up, by the way. So we have – 
two disagreements, the final two, Boise State and San Diego State, and then Michigan-Indiana, we agree on West Virginia-Baylor. LSU, Bama, Illinois, Rutgers. Just uh, to give people a heads up, we are like we're pretty much in full-fledged bubble talk. So uh, here is just a quick couple of bubble games to keep an eye on. Uh, I think Paris might have something to give you on VCU Richmond at the end of the podcast. But that's a 4:30 tip on CBS Sports Network. VCU loses that game. I think it doesn't even have. It would have to, I think, win out to the A10 title game and then maybe lose there to have an at-large case. So they took a quad four loss the other night. I know, lost to George Mason. That was uh, that was definitely rough. They're at Richmond. Richmond actually has a good bubble profile, so that is a good Atlantic 10 bubble game. 4:30 on CBS Sports Network on Saturday. It's tucked away there. Purdue plays at Ohio State on Fox at noon on Saturday. Purdue, Ohio State, comfortably in Purdue. If it can get uh, a good road win there, uh, it's going to complicate Ohio State's resume. There's no doubt about it, but enhance its resume. So the Boilermakers have an urgent game. Northern Iowa at Loyola on ESPN2 at 8 o'clock on Saturday. I have a little bit of stuff in the court report on Northern Iowa. It's got a gaudy record. Doesn't have uh, an impressive resume. Um, Winning a game like this against Loyola, top three team in the Valley, could certainly do it wonders. If you're you and I, this is the exact kind of game where if you're Ben Jacobson, you're terrified because you got to go on the road against a good team in the league in the dog days of February. These are the games they fear the most. We'll see if they can get out of there. Virginia. You think, to, you think Ben Jacobson's terrified right now? Yeah, I think I think coaches generally get stressed out about having to play like a really good road team on the league. <laughs> terrified might be a little bit much here. you got to get 68 teams into this damn thing, Parrish. That's what I'm saying. That's what I keep telling you. Virginia plays at North Carolina at 8 o'clock on Saturday on ESPN. The Cavs losing at UNC would put a three-bid ACC very much into the highly probable category there. Wahoo's got to get that win there. And then the other one is Arizona-Stanford, which is weird for both. We talked about Arizona. It's weird resume. Talented team. Stanford's bizarre, man. It's got a good net ranking, and no other metric thinks this team is good. If it can get a home win, it's still going to be able to develop a case here. And if it does that and Arizona loses... Who knows what the hell to make of the Wildcats. To me, that's the most bizarre of all the bubble games on tap for Saturday. That's a 10:30 tip on Pac-12 Network, which means Parrish will not see it. No, He won't even know the results or if that game even existed. So you mentioned that VCU-Richmond game. Um, that is one of six games Saturday on CBS Sports Network. The first one starts at noon. Last one starts at 10 Eastern. The best of the bunch is probably... Number 10, Seton Hall at Providence. Kevin Willard's Pirates trying to bounce back from Wednesday's loss to Creighton. Ed Cooley trying to bounce back from Wednesday's loss at St. John's. Seton Hall going to enter the game with a two-game lead over Creighton and Villanova in the Big East standings. They're obviously the favorite to win the league at this point. And if they do it, Seton Hall will have its first regular season title since 1993. That's right. Seton Hall and Providence starts at 8 Eastern. That's going to be on CBS Sports Network, the 24-hour home of CBS Sports. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF, and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. And please, go subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. Rated favorably. Five stars. Nice comments. And then we're going to talk to you again on Sunday. Till then, take care. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-average between 9 and 11. 
God, shit, what it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Forward, the podcast, so you don't miss a thing.